breakthrough yet. You might still be praying and, and, and seeking and interceding for it, but he is still good. He is still good. He is still good. You might see Keith and you think, where's my miracle? I'm telling you it's coming. It's closer than you think it is because he's good. He's good. No matter what you're going through right now, the goodness of God is not circumstantial. It is rooted in who he is. He is good. And he deserves to be praised because he's good. So give him praise, church. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, good morning, Lilburn Alliance Church. Hallelujah. It's great to bring the word today to you, to bring it to the home team. I get to preach all over the world, but coming home is the best feeling. Preaching to the home team today. Bringing the word. I, I think I'm so glad to hear Steve say that we're going to take an offering up here for the persecuted church. That's kind of my world. In the College of Prayer, we serve 21 of the 50 most persecuted nations on earth. I've looked into hundreds and hundreds of pastors' eyes who have been beaten, who've lost family members. One, even two weeks, three weeks ago when I was in India and in Pakistan, one pastor in India told me he had been bound and thrown into a river by Hindu radicals, and God rescued him. God rescued him. So many stories I could tell you about pastors and church leaders who have been persecuted, thrown out of their villages. This is real stuff. And so we got to partner with the persecuted church. Yes. It's our obligation. It's our obligation. Yes. So we're going to do that in, in a couple of weeks. And uh, I want to thank some of you. I haven't been back yet. Uh, I was in Pakistan and in India uh, in September, and many of you here prayed for me in that trip, and I want to thank you. It was a long trip. Uh, it was the busiest 15 days of ministry of my life. I preached 23 times in about 12 days, never lost my voice. Praise God. Praise God. Never ran out of energy. I, I seriously did, I got, didn't get tired one time. And that's the prayers of the saints lifting me up, and I want to thank you for that. We launched into Pakistan, our 73rd nation we've launched into now in the College of Prayer. And it was an incredible time. I preached during the day. I did two crusades at night. We had almost, almost 2,000 people come to those crusades. Over 100 came to faith in Christ. So many unnumberable. I don't know how many people were healed and delivered but so many people met Jesus, and I want to thank you for praying because yes. it is the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the church that undergird everything we're doing in the ministry of the College of Prayer. We're in 73 nations now, mentoring, training, and equipping over 4.5 million church leaders right now, right now, and it's by the grace of God, and we now have 80,066 campuses of the ministry around the world. So thank you guys so much for your prayers, your support. Uh, for being with us. We're not a ministry of Lilburn Alliance Church, but we were birthed out of this church 22 years ago, and so we're so grateful for the partnership. Our pastor today is on a much-needed vacation, getting much-needed rest, and so it's an honor to bring the Word of God to you today. And they asked me, what, what are you going to preach on? Uh, we're done with Romans. I said, no, we're not done with Romans. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to bring a word from Romans today. Can you take one more week of Romans? I hope you haven't put this book on your bookshelf yet. Tell me you haven't put it up yet. 
because we're going to come back to Romans today, and it's been an exciting journey. I think it's been 18 weeks we've been in the book of Romans now. I think it's the longest series we've ever had in one book of the Bible, but I'm telling you, this book has been so refreshing, so refreshing. It's so convicting. How many of you have gotten something out of the, the series on Romans over the last few months? Amen. Praise God. So uh, Stephen preached Romans 16 last week, but I want to back up a little, and I'm going to put an exclamation point on this series today. Amen. And it, it, it might be done. I don't know. I won't be here next week, so someone else can figure that out. But I want to bring to you a word today from Romans 12, 11. Right. Romans 12, 11. This is page 56 in your, your books, if you have those ESV books today. But if you have been with us any point during this series, you know that Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome, both Gentile and Jewish believers, who were struggling to get along with each other. They were struggling to figure out how, how do we relate to one another? How do we serve one another now that Jesus has ascended? How, how do we deal and become a family? So Paul's writing in that context, learning how to live with one another. And as we come to verse 11, Paul tells them that one of the marks of true discipleship, of truly following Christ, is zeal and spiritual fervor. Zeal and spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. And in this context, serving the Lord is not just what we do for Christ. It is how we live for Christ. Live for Christ especially in the context of a community of faith, a house. And so I want to bring to us a word today. How do we become a house of zeal? See, in verse 10, Paul tells the church, be devoted to each other. And then in verse 12, he says, be devoted to prayer. And right in the middle of that, sandwiched in between that, he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Now, I'm bringing this verse out of the NIV because I, I believe that this is the best interpretation of, of what Paul truly intended this verse to be communicated. And so he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Now, zeal's not a common word. Fervor's not a common word in our language. So I want to unpack for us what this means. Because what Paul is saying with zeal, the root of it, it's not passion. He's not talking about passion. He's talking about a wholehearted, earnest, urgent, diligent desire to serve Christ. Wholeheartedness, urgency, earnestness, diligence in how we serve Christ and how we serve each other. And then he uses this word fervor. Now, When's the last time you've said fervor? Probably been a while. But he uses this word fervor. And what that means, he literally means to boil with heat. To boil with heat. So you see, he's telling us to put ourselves on the heat source. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, your intensity, boil for Christ. Don't let anyone take you off of the heat source. He's saying protect it. Keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Protect it. Do everything you can to keep anything that will diminish it or take you off of the heat source. Keep it away. 
You see, zeal is not fanaticism. Zeal is not emotionalism. Zeal is not soulishness. In other words, it doesn't come from the, the mind, will, and emotions. But zeal is kingdom ambition. It is Holy Spirit adrenaline. It is the key to excellence to everything in the kingdom of God. Well, pastor, why do you say that? Because it's wholeheartedness. And you can't get much done for the kingdom of God half-heartedly. He's looking for wholeheartedness. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Keep yourself on the heat source. Protect it. And the sad reality today is that many of us have zeal and we have fervor for the wrong things. Many Christians are zealous about their political affiliations. I don't see anything about that in the scripture. Many, many of us here in the South, we're, we're, we're zealous. We have a lot, a lot of fervor for our sports teams. Roll Tide. <laughs> we have zealousness and we get passionate about our teams, right? But, but what Christ is looking for is spiritual fervor, spiritual zeal. In fact, the theologian William MacDonald in the 1900s said, the disgrace of the church in the 20th century is that more zeal is evident among communists and cultists than among Christians. The sad reality is that's still the case today for a lot of our churches. Now, I'm not talking about passion. Passion is, is something that comes and goes. Passion is birthed out of the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions. Passion is any great and powerful emotion you may feel, like love and hate and anger. Anybody can have that. I'm talking about spiritual zeal, kingdom zeal. Kingdom zeal is a tireless devotion, wholehearted devotion to Christ and to each other. That's what Paul's talking about. Wholehearted devotion. It's spiritual zeal that keeps us loving those around us even when they've wounded us. It's spiritual zeal that keeps us connected to the house of God even when the worship isn't quite like we like it. It's spiritual zeal that, that keeps us coming to a community of faith like this, even when the pastor preaches a message maybe we don't really like, but probably we need it. Yeah. It's spiritual zeal that keeps us hanging on in a marriage to, to determine to see it through because we, we want to wholeheartedly serve Christ. Spiritual zeal that does that. So I want to help us understand zeal today. I want to give us a few thoughts on understanding zeal. First, God is the source of spiritual zeal. God is the source of spiritual zeal. It says in Isaiah 42, 13, the Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his, whose? His zeal. Zeal flows out of the spirit of God to our spirit, not to our soul, the mind, will, and emotions, but to our spirit. The Lord stirs zeal in us, imparts zeal to us, to our spirit, because why? The spirit in us is what is redeem redeemed. It's what's born again. Yes. It's pure. And this is where zeal from God comes from, to our spirit. So what I want you to understand is if you are a follower of Christ, you can be confident that you should have zeal in your life. You can come to expect zeal in your life. It's part of who you are. It's part of your spiritual DNA. 
You should come to expect it. And not only that, you should come to protect it. Because your zeal is not something you pump up. It's not something you manufacture. It is put there by God. It's not emotional. It's not contingent on our circumstances. It is there by God, and we should expect it. So it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert. It doesn't matter if you're a high D, high I, high S, high C. It doesn't matter if you're one through nine on the Enneagram. None of that matters. Zeal is way bigger than that. It's part of who you are. Amen. It's part of your identity in Christ. It's part of who he made you to be. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. It was imparted to you by God when you were born of the Holy Spirit. So you are called to protect it. You see, understand the zeal of the Lord is never given to make you look good. It's always given to make Christ look good. God is a source of spiritual zeal. Number two, Christ himself was overtaken by zeal. Christ himself was overtaken by zeal. Now, most of you in this room, you're familiar with the story of when Jesus went to the temple and in Matthew, and he goes to the temple, and I love this story because it's so Jesus, and he, he gets to the temple, to the house of God, and that day, he just got mad. He just got righteously indignant, righteously angry, he was tired of it. He was tired of all the religiosity. He was tired of the religious leaders come to just to be seen. He was tired of all the business transactions that were taking place in the house of God. And he just got mad. And he started kicking over chairs and turning over tables, driving people out from the house of God. Yes. And what does he say? He says, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Yes. And it's Fascinating because in John 2, 17, it says that the disciples in that moment, in that instant, Jesus was doing this. It says that they remembered yes. the scripture about him that said, zeal for your house will consume me. Amen. Psalm 69. They remembered that as Jesus was throwing people out of the house of God. Now, what I want you to understand is something really profound, really deep. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus was zealous. He was zealous for true worship of his father. He was zealous to protect what the original purpose for the house of God is, was, and is still today. Amen. To be what? A house of prayer. So what you got to understand here is that zeal and prayer are totally connected. Amen. Because prayer drives us back to the heat source. So that we can access the presence of God. So that we can be filled back up with zeal. Zeal and prayer are totally connected. Zeal for your house, your house of prayer will consume me. So Christ himself was overtaken by zeal. Number three, there's some things only the zeal of God can accomplish through us. There's some things only the zeal of God can accomplish through us, not willpower, not self-effort, not self-sufficiency, not our titles, not our degrees, not our education, not our positions, not our bank accounts, not our race. Yes. 
not our political affiliations. There are some things only the zeal of God can accomplish in us and through us. And I've been around a lot of places, and I, I'm an elder here. I know a lot of people here, and i got to tell you, I know there's a lot of people here who need some breakthrough. Yes. If we're honest, all of us do in some area or another. And there are some parts of breakthrough that will only come by the zeal of God. When we get ourselves on the heat source, we allow him to put his zeal in us, the wholehearted devotion, the earnestness, the urgency to live for Christ. And some of us need to get back into the heat source. You see, if zeal is wholeheartedness, you cannot confront the enemy without zeal. If zeal is half-hearted, wholeheartedness, you can't confront the enemy without zeal because that's half-hearted. And you will, you will always lose if you confront the enemy half-heartedly. Always. You see, you, you can't want freedom but be dabbling in porn. Hello. Uh-oh. Hold on, Pastor. You, you can't want a healthy marriage yet be berating your spouse day after day after day. You can't want financial success in your business yet be cheating the government out of their tax money. Wholeheartedness. We must be diligent. We must be wholeheartedly devoted. And zeal gives us the spiritual grit we need to press in and to press through for breakthrough. It's the Holy Spirit grit. So what are you doing to, to get breakthrough? It's the zeal of God that advances the kingdom of God, his kingdom of salvation, his kingdom of love, his kingdom of grace, his kingdom of mercy, his kingdom of healing, his kingdom of deliverance. It says in Isaiah 9, 7, the zeal of the, it says of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Will do what? Will increase his government. Will increase his rule and reign. Will increase his peace. It is the zeal of God that advances the kingdom of God. Everything else is half-hearted. Some of us here, we need that breakthrough. We need that breakthrough in our parenting. We need that breakthrough in our marriages. We need that breakthrough in our jobs, our schools. And sometimes it only comes when we get ourselves back on the heat source and allow the zeal of God to be put deep down in us. There's so many things that are seeking to deplete us, to take us off of the heat source, to keep us from boiling over. So many things that will distract us, distract us from the presence of Christ. And Paul's just reminding us Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Keep yourself on the heat source. Number four, zeal will prepare us for spiritual battle. In Isaiah 59, 17, it says, he put on righteousness as a breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. He wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. 
He wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. He covered himself in zeal. You see, zeal is part of our spiritual armor. It is part of our warfare. It's part of how we, we fight. And we have to learn to be wholehearted. We have to learn to be urgent about the battles we face. Amen. Diligent in pressing through and pressing in. That comes with, with zeal from God. So he tells us, wrap yourselves in zeal. What are you wrapping yourself in? Negativity? Passivity? Unbelief? Or zeal? Now, if, if that scripture, Isaiah 59, sounds familiar, it's because Paul talks about it again. In fact, he expounds on it in Ephesians 6 when he gives us the full armor of God. You see, he expands on this from Isaiah 59. And what does he say? He said, put on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, take up the shield of faith, put on the helmet of salvation, take up the sword of the spirit. Now watch this. Then he says something fascinating. He says, take up all prayer. In other words, put on all prayer. Cover yourself in all prayer. Put on zeal as a cloak. You see, the two are connected. Isaiah 59, Ephesians 6, because zeal and prayer are totally connected. Because when you keep yourself on the heat source, you'll have zeal. And if you want to stay connect, connected to the heat source, the presence of God, it is accessed through prayer. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual intensity, fervor, boil for Christ. Lack of zeal, lack of prayer leads to lack of zeal. Yes. It leads to coldness. Why? Because we've, we've removed ourselves. And eventually, we're going to get cold. Yes. We're going to become passive. And prayer always, prayer always drives us back. To the heat source, presence of God. Number five, understanding zeal. Every disciple is capable of zeal. Yes. If you are a follower of Christ in this room, you are capable of zeal. You're capable of zeal because it's not emotional. And, and Paul says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You see, we can lack, we can become depleted. We can. And there's times we got to fill back up. And, and the reality is you're never going to be compared or you should never be compared to someone else's zeal. That's not, we, we shouldn't be judging each other's zeal. But listen, you will be held responsible for your own zeal. You are totally responsible for your own spiritual intensity, your own spiritual fervor in serving the Lord and serving each other. You have to take ownership of it. And see, the reality is we allow too many distractions too many disruptions, too many selfish desires to diminish our zeal and our spiritual fervor. We allow too many things to remove us from the heat source. Too many distractions are keeping us so that, from the heat source so that we no longer boil over with intensity for Christ. TV? Netflix? Uh-oh. Unhealthy relationships, sports, jobs, all of these things 
can take us off the heat source. Even misguided priorities, misguided zeal. You think misguided zeal, what's misguided zeal? Well, misguided zeal, it says in Proverbs 19 too, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge nor to be hasty and miss the way. You see, you can have zeal for the wrong things. This is what Paul's problem was. Before he became a follower of Christ, what was going on? He had zeal for the wrong things. He was religiously zealous. So much so that he was persecuting those who came to faith in Christ. He was zealous for the wrong things. He knew who God was, but he had totally missed who Christ was. You see, he had zeal without knowledge. He had zeal without knowledge. So he persecuted the church. He was zealous for the wrong things, the wrong agenda. And many people today have zeal for a lot of things. Here's the deal. Many of us in the Christian faith, particularly in America, we have a lot of zeal for politics. And we have no zeal for Christ. I see it all over. And I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you today, especially as we approach November, and especially November next year, if you have more zeal and are more zealous for your politics than you are for Christ, something's wrong. I'm just gonna tell it like it is. Something is wrong. Something is out of calibration in your heart. Because I, I don't read anywhere in scripture about being zealous for politics. I'm not saying don't play a role. I'm not saying don't vote, don't be involved. I'm, that's, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm saying, I am saying, if you have more zeal for that, if you're more passionate, if, you're, if, if you get all the, the, the feelings of goodness and, and all of that when you're just doing political stuff and you, you don't do anything spiritually, something's wrong. God is looking for zealous people, wholehearted people who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Just like it says in Proverbs, the knowledge of God shouldn't restrain our zeal, it should fuel our zeal. Knowledge should never restrain our zeal, our spiritual zeal, it should fuel our spiritual zeal. Because when we begin to know who the God of the Bible is, begin to know how much he loves us and cares for us, how much mercy he has for you, how much forgiveness and healing and deliverance and care he has for you, it will totally change and revolutionize our relationship. And the more narrow our focus becomes, the more narrow our zeal becomes, focused on God, focused on Christ, wholehearted devotion, William McDonald goes on to say, a disciple can be forgiven if he does not have great mental ability. He can be forgiven if he doesn't display great physical ability, but no disciple can be excused if he does not have zeal. If his heart is not aflame with the red hot passion for the Savior, he stands condemned. You know what got Christ on that cross? His zeal for you his wholehearted devotion to you. you. The sense of urgency he felt, the earnestness he felt. 
the zeal and spiritual fervor he had for you. And we need to return it. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. So how do we maintain zeal and spiritual fervor? How do we do that? First, we repent. We repent. We don't fake it. You can't, you can't fake zeal because you can't manufacture it. It's not something that is put, put there by you. It is put there by the Spirit of God. So you can't fake it. And it may be time to repent of our self-sufficiency. It may be time to repent of our passivity. It may be time to repent for allowing so many things to distract us and take us off the heat source. It might be time to repent of some of those things. In fact, Jesus gave us a warning in Revelation 3. He said, I know your works, you're not hot, you're not cold. I wish that you were either hot or cold, one or the other. So because you are just lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I, I don't need anything, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. He goes on a few verses later to say, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So be zealous and repent. Then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open that door, I will come in and eat with him and he will eat with me. What opens the door? Repentance. Repentance. Be zealous and repent. You see, repentance paves the way for zeal to be restored and zeal replaces the passivity in our hearts. In Matthew 24, 12, Jesus says, the love of many is going to grow cold. My friends, I want to exhort us today, if you feel any ounce of coldness, it's time to repent. So how do we maintain spiritual fervor and zeal? First, we repent. Second, we remove. We remove. We become a person of one thing. And the longer we walk with Christ, the more we get to know God, the more narrow our focus should become. You see this all throughout scripture, the more zealous we should become. If, if that's not happening, if you've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, and you don't have more zeal, more desire, more wholeheartedness toward Christ today, friends, I gotta tell you, you gotta ask the question, why? Why? We gotta remove the distractions. Like David in Psalms 27, four, it says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What does that mean? To pray in his house. Now watch this, here's David, he's the king. He's the king of Israel. He has all authority, he has the position, the titles, all of the duties of a king. He can have anything he wants. And what David wanted wasn't the position. What David wanted was the presence. Now, for too many of us, we want the position and, and we don't care too much about the presence. David wanted the presence more than he wanted position and recognition. Even says later, I'll be a door holder in the court of God. What are you desiring? 
presence or position. And we see that he wanted to remove all the distractions, all of the duties he had as a king. He wanted to remove those things just so he could get in the presence on the heat source. I love the story of Luke 10. When Jesus goes to the home of Martha and Mary, uh, his good friends, and I can just imagine this scene. Jesus goes to their house, and I can see Martha like, like trying to get there five, 10 minutes early and start throwing stuff in the closet and cleaning up the toys and, and, and make, starting making food and all of this stuff, because Jesus is coming, right? This is her, her teacher. So Jesus comes to the house, and, and Martha is, is so busy. She's doing all of this stuff. In fact, the Amplified Version says she was overly occupied and too busy. Oh. She was overly occupied and too busy. And what is Mary doing? It actually says in the Scripture, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to listen. She sat at the feet of Jesus to listen. And what happened? Martha comes up to Jesus, and you can just hear it right now. She's whining and complaining. Jesus, I'm doing all this work. I'm getting the baklava ready. I'm getting the shawarma ready. I'm getting all this stuff ready for you, Jesus. I cleaned the house, and Mary's just sitting there. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes her. He rebukes her. He, he says, Martha, you're, you're worried and bothered by so many things. What does he say? You're distracted. You're distracted. But only a few things matter. Only a few things are necessary. Really only one, for Mary has chosen the good part, a portion that will not be taken away from her. And what did she choose? She chose the presence. She chose to sit at the feet of the heat source so that she could get some zeal and spiritual fervor. She chose what we all need to choose. She let go of all the distractions that were around uh, her so that she could focus on Jesus and get in his presence and listen and learn. And too often, she, she chose not to serve Christ, but to be with Christ. Big difference. In fact, too many of us do the opposite. We do all these things for Christ. We get so busy for Christ. We do this and we do that and we get so overwhelmed with other people's problems and other people's burdens and all the needs of ministry around us. We get so overwhelmed with all. It becomes a distraction. So much so that we serve Christ, but we forget about Christ. And what's going to happen? I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. If, if you do that, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out real quick because you're not getting to the heat source. Amen. And eventually, it'll all come crumbling down. You'll get tired, you'll get burned out, you'll get bitter. You gotta stay connected to the heat source. Just like Mary, we wanna choose Jesus, we wanna sit at his feet. We see all the things that need to be done for Jesus and we forget about Jesus himself. But he's calling us back to the heat source today. Replenishing our zeal replenishing our spiritual fervor so that we can boil with intensity for, who, for him. And my friends, he want, wants to restore all of that. And the only way that is restored is by returning to the heat source, the heat source of his presence. And the only way that presence is accessed is through prayer. Zeal and prayer are totally 
connected. So we repent, we remove, and finally we renew. We renew. We don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. We need to renew our prayer time. We need to renew the study of God's word. We need to renew our commitment to the community of faith, to the house of God. We need to renew our desire for the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. All of those things drive us back to the heat source. All of those things take us back so that we will once again boil with intensity for Christ. Be filled up with zeal from God. See, the world will not be changed by half-hearted disciples. Those are called spectators. God is looking for participators. He is looking for those who will be wholeheartedly diligent, earnest, urgent about serving him and serving the church. He is looking for those who will be zealous and filled with spiritual fervor in serving him. And that comes by connecting ourselves to the heat source. And here's what I want you to understand, what I want you to walk away with today. Zeal is not circumstantial. Zeal is not based on your circumstances. Zeal is part of who you are in Christ. It's part of your identity. It's part of what he wants to put in every believer. That's why I can confidently say to some of you who are going through some stuff in this room, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. No matter what you're going through, Don, when you're going through tests and when you're going through cancer treatments, I can confidently say to you, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. That's why when Keith has walked through all he's walked through over the last year and should have died, in the midst of all of that, we can go to the hospital and we can say to him, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord, no matter what you're going through. Some of you, your, your marriages are on the, the brink of divorce, and I gotta tell you, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Maybe you're going through some of stuff at work, at risk of losing your job, I don't know. But never be lacking in zeal. Yes. Keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Maybe your business has had a tough year. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Some of you students, day in, day out, you, you face things over and over that distract you and want to remove you from the heat source of God's presence. They want to take you off the burner. I got to tell you, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. There is no junior Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit in you is the same Holy Spirit in me. And that's why you, I can confidently say to you, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Because it's not circumstantial. It is who you are in Christ. It is part of your identity. And you should expect it and you should protect it. Let's stand together.
The great pastor and theologian Charles Spurgeon said, take care not to give up your first zeal. Beware of cooling in the least degree. You were hot and earnest once, be hot and earnest still. And let the fire which once burned within you still animate you. Be men and women of might and vigor, men and women who serve their God with diligence and with zeal. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm confident there are things that are trying to distract you and remove you from the heat source. I'm confident of that, because that's how the enemy works. Maybe it's physical suffering. Maybe it's emotional, mental, spiritual suffering that you're going through. I don't know what it is for you, but I can tell you with confidence there's something the enemy is always trying to do to pull you off the heat source, to distract you and disrupt you. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. And I just want to right now, I just want to open up the front as we begin to worship. If, if, you, if you need to take just a moment to have that zeal restored in you, have that spiritual fervor restored in you, I, I just want to invite you. We want to pray for you. If I could have some elders come up. We want to pray for you today. Just join you in asking God, Lord, I'm, I'm committing to getting back on the heat source to burning for you, to being bold and wholehearted and diligent and earnest and urgent about serving you. If that's you, just come for prayer right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You come, you come, you come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Please don't miss this opportunity to put yourself demonstratively to step into the heat source, to put yourself back onto the heat source today so that you can burn with spiritual fervor, so that you won't be lacking in zeal. Hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord.